Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Glenn Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. As we prepare to receive communion, I want us to look at a prayer that Jesus prayed the night before he went to the cross at what took place in the Garden of Gethsemane um, over 2,000 years ago. The night before he went to the cross, actually, um, the word Gethsemane is an Aramaic word. That was Jesus' childhood language. And it means a place of pressure. Alternate translation there, another translation, Gethsemane means oil press, which if you've been to... Uh, the Garden of Gethsemane in Jerusalem, it's filled with olive trees. In fact, I think there's a picture there. I've been able to go by God's grace and favor and mercy. I've been able to go. That's the Garden of Gethsemane. Those are olive trees that were there when Jesus was there in in the flesh. And so it's the place of the pressing and the pressure. And every time I've been there, I've been struck by how beautiful it is, how peaceful it is, and yet what a contrast to that night when the last thing Jesus was experiencing was beauty and peace. He was experiencing such pressure. And it was in that place of pressure that Jesus praised this prayer. Luke twenty two forty one. 41, it starts, and it says, he was, And he was withdrawn from them, that's the disciples, about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood, falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer... And had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Now, I am fascinated by that last phrase. They were sleeping because of sorrow. In fact, I I want to dig that out some, maybe even preach a message on that at some point. They were sleeping because of sorrow. Anyway, I want us to look at this prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden when he was experiencing such great pressure in his flesh and in his soul. Paragraph A there, if you're following along there, Jesus was fully God and fully man. He was 100% divine and 100% human. And so it was in his humanity that he was fully subject to this kind of pressure from the enemy. The pressure from the enemy trying to get him to trying to take hold of his emotions, trying to get him to reject or deviate from the God, the plan of God for his life, which was to go to the cross and redeem all of mankind. The enemy attacked Jesus because part of the part of him that was human um, was being subject to this. So in verse 43, paragraph B, he makes this amazing statement that we just read. He says, if it's your will, take this cup from me. He's talking about the cup of suffering. 
It's not just a cup that you, it was a cup of suffering. Suffering because he knew he was going to take the sin of the world forever, for all time, in his body. He was going to take the sickness of the world in his body. And you know my opinion? I think the biggest suffering was what you shared earlier today. It was the suffering of being separated from the love, divine, trinitarian, fiery love that he had with his father and the father had with him. He's like, if, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. But if it's not, not my will, but your will be done. It was a statement of complete and perfect submission and obedience to the father. And he knew what was going to happen if the cup did not pass from him. Now, as we consider, we're going to consider, we're going to receive the bread in the cup of communion in a few moments. And as we consider the cup, which points to the blood of Jesus, I want to ask you this question. What is it about the blood of Jesus that makes it so powerful? What is it about the blood of Jesus? I'm, I offer you two, two things. First of all, it was divine blood. The blood was God blood. The, the blood that flowed through Jesus' veins came straight from heaven. It came from the Father, His Father in heaven. We know Scripture says the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, and she conceived and gave birth to a son, and His name was Jesus. So she, was, she supernaturally conceived. So the blood of Jesus was God blood. So it made it, it was divine blood. Le- Leviticus 17.11 says, the li- this is fascinating, the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. So the blood represents the life of that thing. So if it's the, the blood in a bull or a goat represents the life of that bull or that goat. Just like the blood of Jesus represents the very life of Jesus. It was God blood. It was divine blood. And the second thing about this that makes the blood of Jesus so powerful is it represents a life. His life of absolute obedience to the will of God. Absolute obedience to the, to the will of God, submission to the will of God. And there was only one human being in, of all time that was absolutely perfectly obedient to the will of God. And that was Jesus because he had God's blood from, in him, the blood of the Father through the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 4.15, talking about this, says that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, yet he never sinned. He was like te- the, the entire, uh, you can look at it this way, Jesus faced the pressure of every temptation, or I like to think of it this way, Jesus faced the complete strength of temptation yet he never caved in. So I can't figure out in my you know, finite mind, okay, every temptation was this, this, this conveyor belt. Of, well, could be, I can't figure that out, but the complete strength of temptation came right at Jesus. 
And for 33 and a half years, he never caved in. He batted a thousand for 33 and a half years. And so here he is. That's what makes his blood so powerful. It represents his perfect, incredible life. And so he shed his blood for us. He never broke down under the pressure of temptation. I want to stop there for a second and think about this. Here's what happens. There's pressure that comes because we are humans that causes the pressure to build when we're tempted, and then we cave into that pressure, and we sin. Okay, so here's a way that one pastor kind of illustrated it this way. Um, when you give in to the pressure, it just builds, builds, builds. You give in to it, then the, then the pressure leaves for a little while, Right? So think about a diet. This pastor brought this up, and I'm going to bring it down home to a little bit. How many of you were at the thankful family meal a few weeks ago? All right. There was a, there was a mountain. There was a thing called Kaylee Cashdan's chocolate cake. That, now think about if you're on a diet... And you can't have sugar, you can't have starch, you can't have fat grams or whatever that, you know. You walk in to a thankful family meal, and Kaylee's cake starts to call out to you by name. <laughs> Glenn, come hither. And you start going, no, no. Well, the pressure's building, the pressure's building. There's this force field drawing you toward the cake. And then all of a sudden... The pressure's too much, and you black out, and you come to a few seconds later, and there's chocolate icing all over your face. And then you ask someone, what just happened? They're like, I don't know. You just lost your mind, and you just plunged your face right in the cake, you know? And uh, that's what happens. How many of you, we can all relate to the pressure building than giving in to the pressure, right? Right. If you didn't raise your hand, and then you lied, which means you gave in to the pressure to lie. So they're, man, anyway. But here's the cycle that I'm talking about. Pressure builds. We cave into the pressure. We give in to the temptation. And then the pressure leaves Followed by regret, guilt, okay? Why did I do that? Followed by resolve. I'm never going to do that again. Never going to do that again. So that's this cycle. Pressure, pressure, break under the pressure. Then we have uh, regret, and then we have fresh resolve. Jesus never went through that cycle. 33 and a half years. He's not familiar with that, that we're all so familiar with. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. Here he is in the garden, Roman numeral three. The pressure to sin has been building for 33 and a half years. It, 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 it says there then, this was basically, I want to paint the picture a little bit. Satan was throwing at Jesus, all, he was throwing out all the stops he was saying, basically, every, every demon, every satanic angel, go for it. 
because Satan knew this was his last chance to get Jesus to abort the mission, to quit the, 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 the will of God, the plan of God for his life. So he threw out all the stops. And so Jesus was in the fight of his life. So it's there in verse 44 of Luke 21. It says, being in agony. Being in agony. That Greek word, agony, is agonizo. And it means a very deep sense of anguish or distress. It's also a word used as a military term to describe intense personal conflict. Jesus was in the fight of his life. In fact, it goes on to say, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. The Greek word earnestly is not so much a description of a kind of a prayer, but it's a description of the position of the body. Earnestly literally means stretched out. Physically stretched out like spread eagle. I don't know. I'm not saying Jesus was. But it says he prayed more stretched out. Because the push of the enemy was so strong. He was pushing back so strong. God, his father said, we need to send him an angel to strengthen him because he was under such pressure. And so he, he, the movies, love all the movies about Jesus, but some of them, you know, it's like, oh, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass for me. And, and it's just like, it's like a few seconds that, I don't know that this was a few seconds. I don't know that it was like, Father, like this. It could have very well been. He was in such torment, he just laid stretched out on his back or on his stomach, just spread eagle. In fact, one aspect of that definition means writhing. Stretched out and writhing. I'm not saying he was in the, in the natural, but certainly in the mind and his emotions, he, he was writhing. He was, was fighting against this. He was potentially stretched out. Fight of his life. Not a few seconds. My thought is sometime within an hour, because remember he told the disciples, could you not tarry one hour? That's what he did for us. And then it goes on. Verse 44, paragraph A, to say, Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Actually, the word drops there is the root word to a medical condition that actually happens to human beings. It's very rare. It's called hematidrosis or hematohydrosis. We have a doctor in the house, I think. Maybe. Okay. Very rare medical condition. I wrote it, paragraph B, in your notes to kind of help describe this. This is an actual condition people go through. Sweating drops of blood. It causes you to ooze or sweat blood from your skin when you're not cut or injured. 
It's a condition that occurs when someone is under intense pressure. Now, I'm reading from a medical journal here. It's a condition that, where someone's under intense pressure. Tiny blood vessels in the skin break open. In fact, one part says, there's, you know, there's such a stress, mental, emotional stress, your body sends signal to the layers of your skin, creating a separation between the top two layers. And so, tiny blood, the blood vessels in the skin break open. The blood inside them may get squeezed through the sweat glands, or there might be unusual little pockets within the structure of the skin. These could collect the blood and let it leak into the follicles where the hair grows or through the pores onto the skin's surface. There are only a handful of hematidrosis cases confirmed in medical studies in the 20th century. Doctors don't know exactly, this is from the article, doctors don't know exactly what triggers hematidrosis in part because it's so rare. They think it could be related to your body's fight or flight response. Jesus when confronted with the pressure of temptation, he never went took flight from it. He always fought. He fought and he fought so hard. Hebrews 12 says, you get you going through hard times, consider Jesus as you haven't resisted sin to the point of shedding blood. Jesus always fought. He never took flight. Praise God. Praise God. Let's just thank him. Can we just thank him for that? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. He's, he, and I, mm, thank you, Lord. He's fighting for your greatness right now. I mean, he fought for you to get saved, become born again. He's fighting for you right now. When you feel like you can't go on, he's fighting right now for you. He died for you. And he will fight for you, for all that God's called you to, to walk in. I love him. I know you love him. So here's the big takeaway, Roman numeral four. The first time Jesus shed his blood to redeem us and set us free wasn't when his back was whipped with a cat of nine tails. First time he shed his blood wasn't when that, that whip with pieces of bone and glass, you know, ripped his flesh and blood came out of his back. The first time he shed his blood wasn't when the crown of thorns was put in his head. Scripture says there was a time when they pulled out his beard by the roots. Scripture says they punched him with their fists. Those weren't the first times he shed his blood. It's the first time he shed his blood wasn't with the hands and feet with nails pierced through them, hanging on a tree. It wasn't when the sword, when the, the spear was thrust in his side and blood and water came out. The first time Jesus shed his blood wasn't from a laceration, cutting the skin. The first time he shed his blood was from an assault on his mind and his emotions, which caused this reaction for his body to sweat which, by the way, when you have such trauma, 
we've been right that way. He got nervous or, if, you know, we can break a sweat. So sweat mixed with blood. The first time wasn't a physical attack. It was a mental attack. I believe God did this by design, poetically and beautifully and appropriately. Because the first time he shed his blood to redeem us cancels out the first door Satan tries to step through to destroy us. Satan, that's door, the first door Satan tries to break through into our life is through our thoughts and through our emotions and through feelings. Then it gets us to buy in and then do things. Okay, it wasn't the first, it was the first door he uses. And so it's the first place Jesus shed blood. The choices people make, the steps people take to destroy their lives all started with a thought. It started with a thought, a thought that was coupled with an emotion that was convincing them that that was the right plan to take. Do it this way. This is the choice that you need to make because it starts with a thought and then we get these feelings. We get these emotions that, that come along with that. In fact, paragraph B there, this definition of a stronghold that Paul refers to in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. The definition of a stronghold is a system of thought or reasoning that is coupled with an emotion or a feeling. That's when something begins to, to take hold. It's reasoning empowered by emotions. In other words, the enemy reinforces the thoughts that lead us to sin with feelings or emotions. I tell you, emotions make lousy leaders. But we get carried away with our emotions. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what happened. The emotions, the thoughts are coupled with those, with those emotions. They make lousy leaders. You know, you ever just felt like that was the right thing to do? And then you look back and go, why? What was I thinking? Because the, the enemy knows that's how he starts. He gets us feeling a certain way. And then all of a sudden we think, oh, this must be. In Christian terms, this must be the Lord. I just feel it. But it's not biblical. This is how emotions make lousy leaders. Being led by your feelings and emotions with those lies that come in, it's caused people to spend the rest of their life behind bars. It's caused marriages to get destroyed. It's caused all kinds of horrible things. In fact, they even have a term in, in legal, the legal system, crimes of passion. They felt this passion. They went into a rage. Now, that's the heavy part, I, you know, but it just breaks down to, this is how Satan tries to come first. He comes through this door. I mean, it's called impulse buying in marketing, right? You're at the grocery store and you're getting ready to go out, and there's all this stuff, you know, by the counter. And you've had not that good a day. And you look and go, you know, I need two pounds of chocolate right about now. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, is that, will that be all? No, no, go ahead and ring this up, you know? And then you look later. I, I've learned to not be careful going through the grocery store when I'm fasting. Because then I stuffed, I, I, bought, I bought like three, four bags of popcorn the other day. Like, why? Impulse buying, the thought, and then the picture. Madison Avenue knows how to get us. All right, I'll, I'll stop on that. All right. Paragraph C, how appropriate and beautiful that the first place Jesus shed his blood was while he was experiencing mental and emotional attack, not physical attack. So many today are under mental and emotional attack. And the blood of Jesus, as we prepare, start to, Marissa, if y'all could start coming up. The blood of Jesus gives us the victory over spiritual, over mental and emotional attack. The CDC reported recently that a shocking 51, there's a shocking 51% increase in suicides by teenage girls. Military deaths by suicide increased by 25% in 2020. Um, actually, don't want to look at the statistics since Afghanistan. It's happening. It's real. There's the attack on the mind and the emotion. This year, the government statistics in Japan reported that more people died from suicide in Japan in October than from the entire year of 2020 that died from COVID. Also in 2020 this year and, and this year, emergency room visits due to depression among adolescents has increased 31%. So it's fitting that in this place where Jesus was trying to where Satan was trying to destroy Jesus in the garden of pressure through his thoughts and his emotions. It's fitting that in this very place, over these pressures that we experience, Jesus first shed his blood so we could have victory over that stuff that tries to come into our thoughts and our emotions. It was in Gethsemane that Jesus' blood conquered the power of the enemy over our mind and our emotions. We don't have to be subject to that. We can come to and reply the blood of Jesus in our lives. So, so we can experience that same victory. He won the victory for us. Just like he won the victory over death by dying on the cross and rising again. He won the, won the victory for us in our mind, our emotions, just like he won the victory over sin by becoming sin for us. He won the victory in every area of our life that we could not want win the victory by ourselves. That's the good news. Before Kyle comes up, I want you to think of one last thing with this. Think of a door. We've got two, two doors over here on each, each side. Satan tries to come and knock at the door of your thoughts and your emotions. Very first thing. So the power of the blood of Jesus, that the Bible says it, the blood speaks, it's presently active. You may be battling some kind of an addiction, some kind of thought process thinking, ah, oh, there are those thoughts again. The door's open. 
The blood of Jesus is powerful and today to shut those doors, to close those doors off so that we can have the mind of Christ that our thoughts can be on things above where there's life and peace. May the Lord do that today and everything else he wants to do. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.